listening to the Braveheart Podcast. Today's podcast is a portion of a class Peter is teaching at Christ for the Nations Institute. He is teaching through his book, Back to the Gospel, which focuses on Jesus, the why behind our salvation, and the joy of the new covenant. All right, if you have your Bibles, um, go to Numbers 13. I felt something. Um, how many of you feel like right now you're in a season uh, where you just feel like dreams awakening, like you feel like big dreams, prophetic promise? Just raise your hand, wave at me. Like like actual like desires you find like yourself, like like either God's speaking to you in dreams and like there are these big things he's inviting you into but like you've just been dreaming with God. Raise your hand. I want to see. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Um, so I want to, I want to read this. I felt, I felt that prophetically. We're going to, we'll get back into the book on Thursday, I think. Um, but I felt prophetically, a lot of what we've been doing through the book has been dealing with our inner life with God, right? Like this salvation we've been dealing with, how we relate to God, how we view ourselves, our perspective, which is really an inner life thing. Um, but what's so cool about the gospel, and, and since this is the class about our salvation, I want you guys to see, and as you get to the end of the book, we're going to start to see how when we get saved, um, God will begin to express his salvation through us. God will begin to save others through our lives. Like Elliot's sitting on a park bench and God wants to touch this guy, and he just becomes this. That was a moment of fruit, right? You bore fruit, and that caused you joy, and you were sitting there reading your Bible. That's cool. And so uh, what, what happens is God gives us these promises. He gives us these, these things that are, that are really, really big. And if we don't know how to enter those promises, uh, which I find that many people, uh, when they get a promise from the Lord, they, they're kind of like, maybe like Abraham, where they feel like they got to make it happen because it delays, it tarries. Um, and so I, wanna, I felt we were supposed to look at this story, um, and this is a little different than what we've been doing, but I felt it prophetic for this morning in this season where you guys are at. Is that cool? Um, so let's look in Numbers chapter 13. Say amen if you're there. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with the story uh, Moses and the Israelites, they're in the wilderness. They've come out of Egypt. So they're in that, they're in that in-between season of their lives. They, they've left the season of sin, but they've yet to enter into the promised land. Okay? So they haven't entered into the fullness for that which God saved them. It's a lot of Christians. They get out of kind of sin and eternity and hell, and they're still waiting to really enter into the fullness of intimacy which is Christ. Canaan is Christ. When you look in the Old Testament, you see Canaan, the promised land. It was the destination, right? Right? right. He promised, he, he wanted them to bring them out of Egypt so they could inherit this land called Canaan, the promised land. And that promised land would be an area where God would fellowship with them, almost very similar like back to the garden. They would be in this beautiful, amazing land. They would have fellowship, but through Israel, God would reach and bless the Gentiles. That was the, that was the picture. Can you see the new covenant picture of the church there? Yeah. We come out of sin, we come into Christ, and through now our relationship with God, He blesses the world through us. Amen? Through the, through the fatness and the abundance of the land that we have in God, He begins to bless those around us. So here we are, and this is a critical point 
uh, in their life. And, and I feel like this is where many of you are at, that God's given you promises, whether it's businesses, ministries, uh, I don't know what it is. Um, but, but this text is going to be important. So look at this in verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. You can underline that thing that says, which I am giving. So God says to Moses, God told Moses, send the people, send men to spy out the land. He goes, I want you from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So he sends, there's how many tribes? Twelve. So how many men does he send? Twelve. Okay. He gives you their names. Verse 17. Moses elaborates on his instructions and he says them, uh, he sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, uh, go up into the Negev and go into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are weak or strong, whether they are few or many and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps like little tents or strongholds like a fortress and whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are trees in it or not be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes so let's do a couple things so God he promised the land did he not he promised it and in and in chapter 13 verse 1 He speaks to Moses and he's saying, okay, here you guys are. This represents God's promise. This is Canaan. So here we have Canaan and he promised them. This is what God promised. Okay. Now we're going to come back over here. This is going to make sense in a second. This is what God did. What did God do in between before this promise? So we got plagues opened the Red Sea. So God says, I want you to send men to go into the promise, to go ahead of the people and to spy it out. I want you to go look at it. I want you to go like that thing that I'm giving you. I want you to actually. So this this to me represents prophetically. This represents dreaming. This represents going in the spirit ahead to where God's called you and begin to search out the land, begin to do research. What does it take to publish a book? What is it? You know, what do you dream about? Do you dream about selling a million copies? What what are you going to do? Like you're going to have a foundation, an organization to steward all the money that comes in from the book that you publish. Right. That's spying out the land. Many people here in the wilderness, they have dreams and they sit around on their dreams and they bury them and they wait And God says, I'm actually giving you this thing, this dream. I'm giving it to you, but we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to engage with it. And you see here that God had actually promised them something, but he wanted them to go spy it out. So first blessing, first note of the morning, it's okay to dream. And there's actually a process in the dreaming that God tests your heart. He tests your heart to see, are you going to be able to possess that which he is giving to you. If you read Deuteronomy, he says, I want you to possess the land which I am giving to you. When God gives you something, he wants you to possess it. He wants you to have it. 
God doesn't, God's not an Indian giver. He doesn't say, oh, here you go, and then nah, I'm going to take it back. When he gives it, he wants you to have it, right? And there's a reason he wants you to possess it, because through your possession of God's gift, you become a conduit of blessing and salvation to the nations. You cannot give what you don't have. So if you're shy to receive, you'll have nothing to give. God wants, God wants to bless you. He wants you to be filled with His life. He wants you to be filled with His resources. Why? So that you can be a blessing. God loves people. And everything He does is unto His love touching the hearts of people. Everything. So you may have this big dream, but in the big dream, God's thinking of people. He's thinking of individual hearts. You're always in your big dream, like, I don't know what book you're going to write, Trinity, but what's going to happen, even if you're dreaming of selling a million copies, God sees a million individual stories and lives that's going to touch them and pierce their hearts through your voice. That's what He sees, right? So don't be afraid to, to go into through dreaming and go spy out your land. So take time to dream. Take time to to. Uh, even with other people to dream. Now listen, be careful who you dream with. Be careful who you spy out the land with. So Moses elaborates and he says, all right, I actually want you, I actually want a report. This is step number two. You want to begin to take an assessment of reality. This is, this is the report equals reality. God's not afraid of, of reality, Okay. God's not afraid of the circumstances. He's not afraid of the facts. God's really not afraid of the facts. You're going to find in a minute that the facts were against Israel. So he says, you guys go check it out. Verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Pause right there. You have Moses, you have Aaron, and you've got about a million people. That's where we're at. And you've got these 12 guys coming back, carrying fruit, and they're going to bring a report. They're, they're anxious because this has to do with the promise God gave them, right? People are waiting with bated breath. How was it? What was it? You imagine the conversations that's been happening over here. Man, I hope it's just camps. I hope the land is good and we get to just walk right in if God's giving it to us. Man, how many of you know that, that our mind and our flesh wants it to be easy? Well, if God's giving it to us, well, then we just walk right in. It'll be fine, right? It'll be great. Oh, we love that. And so look, look what they said. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Now, the descendants of Anak were giants. They were, they were massive people. And so, verse 30, look at this. Uh, let me ask you guys a question, though, first. Was that report true? Did they do what Moses asked them to do? So they accurately 
assessed the situation according to the command of Moses, their leader. They went and they said, this is exactly what you asked us. Strong people. He said, I actually want you to look. Is, are they strong? Are they weak? Are they big? Are they small? Is the land good? Is it bad? And they came back with an accurate, true report. Now know this, just because it's accurate doesn't mean it's right. It can be accurate in the natural and it can be completely wrong in the spirit. We've learned this. This is, a, this is a lesson throughout your Bible. We've been talking about all through the covenant and the new creation and righteousness that what may be true in the natural is not necessarily true in the spirit. Right? Yeah. All right, so look at this. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. People started freaking out. They started shouting, yelling. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Again, true statement. Caleb, Caleb's comment in the natural was not true. He says, We are able. That means he's saying, Hey, right here, we have an ability to overcome these people. Now, in the natural, that was false. You, you guys have to see this. Very, very false. They were not able in the natural to do that. They were smaller. The people were bigger. I'm, 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 this, this example right here will save you, will, will, will help you so much in the future. This scenario will play out a hundred times in your life. I'm telling you. Yeah. And if you can understand these dynamics and what's about to happen, you'll be amazed at what God will do through you. Okay? You have to see this. That's why I'm taking real, my time on this. Stay with me in this scripture. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. True. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, these giants, who, uh, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So again, we're talking about perspective in all of this. This is perspective. When they came, they said our perspective was according to the flesh. They were big. We were small. Trinity may be tempted to think, wow, the publishing world is big. I am small. I don't have the, the qualifications of a, of a uh, who's the guy that wrote? Rick Warren. I don't have Rick Warren's ability or intellect, so purpose-driven life. My book's not going to be that popular, that, so I'm small. I'm called to do this business, but everyone else is more qualified. I'm small. I'm called to plant this church, but I'm small. I'm called to, 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 to be in this Bible college, and I don't feel like I belong. I'm small. Some of you right now are in, in what God promised you, but you're struggling because you're small in your own eyes. You've perceived yourself small according to everyone around you, Right? And God's saying, I want to change your perspective. 
because, because you're, you're actually in your promised land, some of you, and some of you are going from glory to glory, and you need a right perspective to step in. And if you don't, why this is so important is because so many people, they die out here. And they die for a very, very simple reason. And I'm going to show you that in a second. So then verse 14, it says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Guys, the stakes, the stakes at this point, at this juncture are so high. When you get close to your promised land and to that great thing that God's called you to, what begins to happen, one report literally spread fear in all the hearts of the people. You have to see this. This report, this perspective, perspective spreads like leaven in the hearts of people. This is why your tongue is so powerful. When you're with people, you're with your friends, this happens. And I want to, I want to, this happens in the school. I can, I can almost hear it. There is this culture. There's this culture that says, hey, can I process something with you? And what they start doing is your friend starts processing in the name of sort of we're connecting spiritually. But what they're doing is they're, they're maligning the behavior and attitude of someone that you both know. And they're saying, hey, this person, they, they just said this to me and they, they did this to me. And they're building this case because there's some hurt there. But they're building the case and presenting it to someone else. That someone else now is being informed based on your perspective of that person. Mm-hmm. You ever had this happen? Mm-hmm. Where that person's telling you about someone, you don't really know them that well, but you kind of know them. But, but now when you see them, the realest thing to you is what that person said to you. And all of a sudden, you don't even know them. You don't even have reps with them relationally, but you're distrustful because of your friend's experience with them. You just poisoned that person's heart with something that you were meant to deal with with that person alone. So if someone's processing that way with you, say, whoa, 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 this sounds like you need to process with them. You just, just steer it. Just, just direct the conversation. Hey, I, man, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Maybe next time you could just share that with me without sharing who it was. I could help process your heart with how you're dealing with someone who's treating against you. I don't need to know who it is. Resist the temptation. Well, who was it? Right? They start talking and you find that thing in your heart. Well, who was it? I want to know who it was. Why do you want to know who it was? If you know who it was, it'll shape. You'll, you, you now have a lens that you're going to look at them through. And this, this defiles what we've said we've been born into in covenant. Right? So I, I feel that, like, y'all be really mindful of that. If you hear your friends doing it, just, just put a stop to it and say, hey, I think you should go talk to that person. And refuse, if someone has done that, refuse to, 
to view them according to that flesh and go, God, I need your help right now. Show me how you see this person and get another perspective about them. That way you keep your heart pure. You can only guard in your heart with the Lord. You can't. People may do this and that, and you can keep your heart pure by saying, okay, I'm not going to receive that perspective and jump up. Does that make sense? I don't know why I went off on that. But perspective is so important. It is so important. And we've been talking a lot about perspective looking forward, our perspective now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you here how we, gotta, uh, how we can stay in this right perspective that we've been talking about the last 10 weeks. Um, so look at this. They, they are so freaked out looking forward that they said, I wish we were dead and, and we could go back to slavery, a life of sin. This is how, this is how like defiled their conscience has become. This is like a believer going, I'd rather go back and live in the world. Man, I know I have, but why, why is God calling me? You ever been to that place and you're like, why did God call me here? Come on, just be real. You, you, you get to that place with God and you're out there and you feel naked, you feel exposed, you feel like everything's coming against you and you're like, why did God call me here? I was actually, I had way more back when I was living for myself. Sometimes it feels like when you get right before that moment, it feels like everything, you got to get their perspective. They had a right in the flesh to feel the way they felt. You, we, we, we know the end of the story, so we're like, oh, you guys should have known better. These were freaking giants. This was real. Like they, they were real babies that they were thinking, man, we're going we're gonna to rock up into this land and they're going to smash us. Like they didn't, we, you know, we, we love to like poke fun of Israel, but we're Israel all the time. We're Israel all the time. The reason why you're anxious right now is because you're Israel. I'm telling you, the only reason you have anxiety in your heart is because of this right here. You have listened and allowed a perspective. There's a future reality defining your present emotions. That's what anxiety is. Anxiety is looking ahead thinking there won't be provision there. Right now, you're okay. Right now, you're clothed. You've, you've eaten. You're fine. Anxiety never is about the present. It's always about a future, like, concern or doubt or question mark. Will God be there tomorrow? They weren't. They were fine. Nothing had changed in that moment except a report had given to them, and their present reality was completely blown up. Why? Because they began to marinate on everything that could happen to them. Fear and faith are the same thing. They're just placed in different places. Oh, if you get this, guys, I promise you, you, it'll it'll mess you up. So these guys panic. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly uh, of the congregation of the people. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out, is an exceedingly good land. Verse 8, check this out. If the Lord delights in us. Oh my goodness. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not rebel against the Lord. Whoa, 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 whoa. That seems pretty intense. That, that language just got real, real, right? 
They're sitting there going, you gave us this report. We're panicked. And now they're being rebuked and saying, don't rebel against the Lord. How did they get to that? Let's keep reading. This is so cool. Um, And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. What is bread? What is bread? It's something you eat. What in the world kind of perspective does this dude have? These guys are bread? Now you just sound cocky. Now you just now you're just being arrogant. Everyone's like, "Okay, really? You're the guy. You're the guy that's like in this situation. Oh, this is bread. I'm actually going to be nourished through this thing." We we got to tap into what these cats tapped into. Have to. This is our inheritance. This perspective, we need more men and women who are tapped into this spirit and this perspective. Because the world right now and the church, they are acting like Israel. We don't know how to advance. We don't know how to take the promised land. We, we ham and haw and argue over who's right. And we're going, God's going, I've given you a friggin' land to inherit. To, to go and to possess this land so that you can become a blessing to the nations and you guys are arguing in the wilderness about who's right? Oh, man. I wish I had like another three hours with y'all on this thing. I want to mess around with this so much. All right, look at this. Look at this. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear them because the Lord is with us. Then all the congregation said to them, stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses. Now we're getting heaven's commentary on what's happening. How long would this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have done among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. My goodness. But Moses said to the Lord, the, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give it to them, that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger. Man, I love Moses. And abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Wow. Sit on that for a minute. But truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me 
to test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of these who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. And he goes on from there. And so here's the, here's the point I want to just bring home. Is that Caleb was of a different spirit, was he not? In his perspective on God and, and his relationship with God was it allowed him to see what God would do in the future. How did he have that perspective? We know, we get a glimpse into this, into heaven's view. We get a glimpse, and I'll just, we don't have time. Caleb was so anchored and grounded in what God had done. He lived a lifestyle of remembrance. He cultivated a remembrance in his heart. He never allowed his heart to drift away from the history he had with God. This is the point. It is through remembrance of what God has done. Remembrance of what God has done and His faithfulness to you personally (laughs) through the cross. Like this history, if you're in Christ, is now your history. When I read the God who parts the Red Sea, do you know what that does to my heart? If I'm facing an obstacle, I look at it and I go, I look back and I'm like, that's not even like one one hundredth of difficulty as parting the Red Sea. All right, let's go. And you walk forward. Why? Because you're like, this, this obstacle will be bread for me. And you just become like Pac-Man, gobbling up obstacles. Just yum, right. yum, 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 yum. Why? Because you're grounded in your history with God. The reason why you're afraid is because you've forgotten who God is and what He's done for you. I promise you, th- this is your homework for Thursday. I want you to make a list, two lists. I want you to make two lists. Yeah, I'm going to call on you. You're going to present it. Two lists. Please write this down. I'm going to call on you. One list is all of your circumstances. And another list is His faithfulness to you in the past. Times He's come through for you. And I want you to be real with where you're at. And maybe some of the things, maybe it's a promise, maybe it's just present circumstances. But these are the things that cause you anxiety In fear, if you have anxiety and fear, it's because of circumstances. But then here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list. Now listen, Jesus dying on a cross is part of His faithfulness to you. Him parting the Red Sea is His faithfulness to you. Why? Because you're in covenant with God. His his confidence, Caleb's confidence was, if the Lord delights in us and if He is with us, so the question for you, and I'm, I'm posing it to you in the midst of your anxiety and fear and worry and all the things you're going through, is God with you? Does He delight in you? And if so, don't rebel against the Lord and, and steward anxiety in your heart. Steward fear in your heart. It's rebellion. It's rebellion. I'm not being insensitive, but it is rebellion. It's going, I don't care what you've done. I'm disregarding what you've done in, your, in, in, the, in the massive commitment you showed me on that cross and everything you've done throughout human history for people who love you and who's in covenant with you. You're disregarding it and setting it aside and going, I'm going to exalt my circumstances and my situation above the promises of God. And through this remembrance, 
through this remembrance, this is remembrance really would be a better word to put it, one column of remembrance and one column of future and present circumstances. And I'm going to ask you guys, but I want you to meditate on this. And I promise you, like medicine, I want you to go through every single time, both personally he's come through, but also in the scriptures. And I want you to lift up what he's done and hold, hold it side by side with where you're at and see what happens to your heart. Thanks for listening to the Braveheart Podcast. For more information on Braveheart Ministries, visit BraveheartMinistries.org.